0: You know, I gotta write a theme song for our show. You know, I just gotta write a theme. You know how Uncle Don had this theme where he'd sing, uh, Hello, nephews, nieces, mine, I'm glad to see you look so fine. How's Mama? How's Papa? Well, tell me first just how you are on your radio. This is your uncle. I've got, to, you know, I've got to come up with a theme, you know, like, uh, like, uh, good evening, slobs. Uh, <laughs> hello, losers. Hello, winners. Hello, everyone out there. How are you? How are you tonight? Yes, my hands Oh, it's there. Tasty uh, the yeast is handy. Dandy for your appetite. I am sorry, Perry. You fluffed it again once more. I'm, I'm serious, you know. You know, when all is said and done, I must say this. When all the dust settles, and I don't want this to sound like chauvinism, but it is true. When all is said and done, we really do have a wild, fascinating, great gang here at this station. Have you know, Isn't that true, Tony? I mean, you know, you can be so close, you can be so involved in the woods, you never see the trees. But but not every station has a bare faba. They just don't, you know, and it's a good thing, but uh, they don't. And uh, not every station has a Joe Franklin. Joe comes in here with the biggest collection of broken town Broadway types. Have you ever seen them? <laughs> Trailing press clippings from the gaieties of 1919 behind him. <laughs> and not every radio station has a Peggy and Fitzgerald, who goes to bed at night and dreams of flying squirrels. You know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and, and and old Uncle Ed goes to bed at night and dreams of old Fitzgerald. You know, so, uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah, really. Uh, at the, and, oh, I'm serious, and, and and not every station has a John Gambling Jr., you know, who, while he's doing a show, sits and clips coupons and between records talks to his, you know, his broker. Uh, <laughs> this is a great bunch. And Martha D De- oh, f- are you Marion, I'll tell you, she's something else again. If Marion hadn't gone straight at the right time, Marion could have been a great stripper. You realize that, Tony? I mean, she's got. She has. <laughs> yeah, she's got all. Of, you know, it's all, it's all there. You know. But uh, nevertheless, we got to get back to you know, I Shall we? Shall we uh, clear the uh, deck here? Clear the atmosphere, Tony. Please bring it in hard. There, bring it in. There. Deck cleared. Okay, very good. Now you reset that. We may need that later on Uh, I've got a couple of uh, Little things here that I'm going to take care of Before we get the show started here A kid writes and he says "Uh, Shepard, I have one request Uh, the kid writes, he says One request, could you tell about Listen to this one, Tony He says, could you tell about All the girls in your life Starting with kindergarten Starting with kindergarten I don't know what kind of a I mean, what kind of a kid this is what kind of a kindergarten is kid by the way it was a girl who wrote this uh, I don't know what kind of a kindergarten this chick went to but my kindergarten spent most of his time sitting up there knee deep in sand in the in the sandbox and the only the only girl that was really a you know a, a, an active force in my kindergarten was a lady named Miss Bundy Miss Bundy was made entirely out of pillows so you know one of those large ladies with a sort of a loose dress and she had sort of hanging down hair, oh, completely disheveled type lady. Another you know, kind of ladies that uh, that looked like an unmade bed all the time. And uh, yeah, she she was uh, great for kindergarten. You know, she was a, she was a surrogate mother and uh, a true mother in in the sense that she would sit there at the piano all the time, and and we'd be down there in the sandbox. And I remember Miss Bundy uh, playing. She would say, "Now, boys and girls." She said, now boys and girls. Come on now, let's go. And it would be. Did you do you remember? And could you really remember going to kindergarten, Tony? Well, I, honest to God, remember being in kindergarten. I'm not inventing it. And the high point of kindergarten every day was they would pass out these little half pint bottles of milk. And uh, yeah, you know the little the little cartons, the little ones, see, and and uh, straws. Well, now, I dug the idea of straws. Straws somehow were very festive. I don't know why kids think straws are festive, but. That was a very special thing, because at home, you know, you drink milk out of a glass. Now, my glasses, usually, the glasses that I would drink milk out of usually had the Skippy Peanut Butter written on the side or something like that. Yeah, my mother had a great collection of of glasses that had contained shrimp cocktails, you know, the kinds you get at the stores, Skippy Peanut Butter. We had, we had a set of things called the Good Glasses. Now, the good glasses only came out on state occasions. Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas, (laughs) a birthday for my grandmother when they would come over. But in the meantime, we drank out of uh, uh, jelly glasses. was what we really drank out of. It said Ann Page raspberry jelly on the side. And uh, always our glasses, my mother would take the label off, but you'd see little pieces of glue, (laughs) you know, still on it. So that was drinking milk. But the high point every day in in, uh, kindergarten came when... uh, We'd be down there in the sand pile. And uh, there were all our kids. There was Glenn Atkinson. He's in the sand pile with me. Schwartz, with Aaron, and the Brunner, and the Flick. We're all down there knee-deep in the sand. Helen Weathers. Little, little, none of us realizing, of course, because we were little squirts at that time. We, we were not even making true contact. Little did we realize, of course, that uh, stretching ahead of us was this unbelievable phantasmagoria called life. Now, any of you kids that are listening tonight And Your kid, let's say you're 10 or 15. I'm going to tell you this, kid. Right now, at this point in your life, you can't conceive, no matter how hard you guess, of the stuff that is going to happen to you in life. (laughs) True, Tony? You just can't. There's no way of doing it. Impossible. Imp's one. Totally impossible. (laughs) Indidimo. There is no way for you to guess because... Who would have ever guessed when I'm sitting there knee-deep in crud, in sand, and I'm making a, a, a little hill, you know, the sand hill there, and Schwartz is over there. He's making a little card of sand, and Helen Weathers is, is crying, and, and uh, Miss Bundy is setting up the milk and getting ready to play America the Beautiful on the piano. And uh, all the, the walls are lined with our drawings, our classic drawings, like a witch or a pumpkin, uh, a turkey, or a Christmas tree, or a farm, kids are always drawing a farm, uh, with, a, with a sun hanging, of it, with the moon and the sun, both of them looking down, you know, kids, yeah, boy, your kids bring everything together, you know, you draw the moon, then you draw the sun, I mean, after all, it's up there, too, and then uh, you draw birds in the sky, you draw birds in the sky bigger than the house, you know, big birds, well, uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, how could any of us have guessed what was in store for us on that yellow brick road that lay ahead? I mean, I could have, I could have uh, created. Uh, kids are always writing to me, telling me what they're going to do when they grow up. <laughs> I laugh because how could I have ever guessed that on the that yellow brick road, somewhere along that line, I would find myself at eleven or ten fifteen at night, talking to myself, following a an Al Jolson record. I, how can you guess this kind of thing? It's just impossible. It's just totally impossible. I wouldn't have guessed it a year ago, but here it is. You know, there it is. Well, all right. So, uh, I'm sitting down there. I remember clearly kindergarten. Now, why do I remember kindergarten? Why, you know? I tell you, the reason some people can remember things and other people can't motivation. Simple as that. Uh, some people are just not motivated to remember it. And furthermore, it's what happened to you in the situation that makes you remember it. Now, if you spend a day and absolutely nothing happens, it's going to be hard to remember that day. But if during the middle of the afternoon, you're walking along 5th Avenue or 47th Street, when all of a sudden you're hit on the top of the head with a 15-pound kosher salami dropped from five stories above you, you're going to remember that day. That's as simple as that. You're just going to remember that day. The day you got hit with a salami, right? Well, all right. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, come to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I saw a guy do a funny thing one day, though, like that. I often wondered what the upshot of it was, what finally happened. This is before you came here, Lee, and that uh, we were over there on the... We over over in the corner of the building. Now, remember, this building here is 24, 25, 26 stories high, right? Well, we were on the 23rd floor, and uh, we were on the corner of the building there, and all the town occupied a kind of a communal joint office... Well, the office was about, oh, maybe 10 feet square. There were 120 of us in there, see, and, and we had this one desk, and we would take turns sitting at it. And <laughs> it was funny, you know, and we had this one telephone. We'd take turns answering the phone and yelling and, and pretending like we got an office, you see. and the, There were all of us in there, Long John, the whole crowd. We were all in there, you see. Well, one day, it just so happened on this day, Tony, everybody was there at once. They, you know, they're all milling around and there, the whole... Crew, and, and when you get all the talent together, you've got yourself a uh, an interesting oleo of humanity, uh, the various types, and shades, some guys uh, chewing gum, other guys chewing uh, tobacco, other guys sitting on the floor, and we had, some, we had our scurvy crowd here at that time, and so if you remember, there was a pretty yeasty crowd at one point. Uh, some of them were heavy drinkers, and if you remember, Tony, it was a very interesting crew. So... It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and I don't know why this happened. Don't ask me the genesis of it. It just is what happened. For some reason or other, there was a tray in there, and this was a big one of these big plastic trays, the kind that that uh, oh uh, restaurants use when they're catering something, and that big tray with sandwiches on. Well, it was a big plastic tray, and on the tray there must have been oh maybe a hundred and fifty ice cold cheese blintzes now why the hell they got 150 cheese blintzes I don't know there was a whole mess of them see, big, of, uh, big pile of them well I came into the office and there they there were they were you see so uh, everybody in the talent department are born freebies I don't know anybody in show business is not a born freebie I'll tell you just, uh, they're just freebies so uh I came in there and I says, gee, blenses. So I rushed over and I took one of the blinses, and boy were they ever rotten. They <laughs> they were not any cold but I think somebody had sprayed them with DDT or something along the line because they tasted bad and they were very limp and very bad blinses. So I said, ugh, blinces. So I put it down. Well now we had a couple of guys who didn't, they didn't care how things tasted. As long as it was free, they ate it. And uh, yeah, you could give them a rubber hot dog, he'd eat that, you know, it was free, so he ate it, you know. So, uh, they're sitting there ch- chomping down on these blintzes and they're getting more bloated by the minute, and, and, uh, turning green, and they'd rush out and run down to the men's room, and ten minutes later they'd come back, start eating them again, you know. You know you a real freebie never gives up. So, we're, we're, uh, we're sitting there with the blintzes, there's about 150 of them there, and about, uh, oh, it was hot in there, too, you see. It was very hot. It was a warm summer day. And the blintzes around about four o'clock, started to get gamey. They, you know, little green furs growing on them, so. I'm just telling you the story. I might as well be honest with you. What happened? Well, in walked a, an executive who shall go nameless. Now, there's always one executive in every organization who's a total ape on neatness. Now, this yeah, this is the guy that... He, he doesn't care whether the product the company turns out is rotten. He doesn't care whether the wheels fall off the, the widget that they're making. But what he wants to know is whether or not the mailroom is neat, and that whether all letters are neat, uh, that neat, he's got a neatness bit. So he walks into the office, and he says, What is that? And somebody says, Well, they're blinces. Where did they come from? You shouldn't have blinces here. Don't you know they're labrador? Cockroaches. Well, little did he realize he was talking to 38 cockroaches, human type, sitting around. There. You know, you don't you don't say bad. You don't badmouth cockroaches to a cockroach. So he says, Well, I would draw roaches. And somebody says, What do you mean? You know, Who, who's going to call me a roach? And he says, no, get rid of the get rid of the blintzes. Just get rid of the blinces. Well, I had been thinking that myself because there wasn't much room there, and these blinces were a big tray of blinces, and they're sitting on the radiator on top of everything else. It's hot in the place, and the blinces are getting gamey. Well, uh, <laughs> and by the way, there was a pot of of uh, cream of cheese, not cheese, a uh, sour cream with it. See, and the sour cream, honest, had more hair on it than a porcupine. Just fantastic. So, uh, the word had come, you know, get rid of the blintzes. With that, a talent who shall go unnamed, and that talent, by the way, is still laboring here at this radio station. No, it was not me. I'm sorry, it was not me. I must admit that I was not the one that did it, although uh, I applauded this talent takes the tray of blintzes. Now, you got it. There must have been a hundred blintzes on this thing. And I mean, a big stack of Where they came from, nobody knew. They were there that day. Nobody in the talent department knew. So, he went over and he says, all right, get rid of the blintzes, okay. And he reaches over, grabs the tray. We are on the 23rd floor. Remember, on the corner of the building, the window is open like nine feet. He goes, whoop, just like that. Whoop. And for one brief instant, I could see a cloud of blinces hanging twenty-three stories above Broadway. They were like a flock of birds, and and you could see the sun coming down through the blinces. Yes, it was like a like a flock of starlings hanging out there. For instance, The blinces were turning over, and, and he had a trajectory on it, Tony. He didn't just dump them out. He went whoop, and these babies flew out of the window, and they were heavy. Oh, these were heavy blinces. You know, each blince went about four or five pounds apiece. Uh, you know, very heavy, specific gravity. He threw the blinces out, and the blinces went out maybe 20 feet out from the building, and you should have seen them. I looked out. All of us looked out like that. Our heads stick out of the window, and you could see the blinces spreading out. They had lift, of all things. The blinces didn't just go down a little mop. They spread out, and they must have spread out when, you know, something is dropping 23 stories. That's a long drop. And by that time, they must have covered a half a block. And I could see all these people walking around down there <laughs> in their summer dresses. And, you know, I'll bet somewhere along the line that moment is legendary in some people's home. The day, the day that it rained blintzes on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off way yeah Speaking of, that reminds me, this is WOR, friends. Yeah, it's good old friendly New York.
1: TV Guide is profile, commentary, criticism, a continuing report on how the electronic medium shows and shapes our world. The current issue of TV Guide magazine profiles Doris Day. The image is sugar and spice and everything nice. The reality is more complex. Doris Day, up close. The cover story of the new issue of TV Guide. Then read Two Perspectives on America's Morals and Manners, The Business of Divorce, Hollywood Style, and Campus Unrest, a summary of how college activists relate to and use television. Just some of the articles worth reading this week in TV Guide. TV Guide, New York's biggest selling weekly magazine, America's biggest selling weekly magazine. TV Guide, on sale everywhere.
2: This is Mayor Lindsay shouting to you from Times Square. If you're having a problem hearing me, that's the problem. Air pollution. 150 decibels of noise is enough to drive a man insane. And in Midtown, New York, it's already at 77. Noise is our fault if we use steel garbage cans instead of plastic. And noise is our fault if we flare our radios or don't complain when somebody else flares theirs. I'm sorry if you're having a problem hearing me. Noise is our fault if we blow our car horns. Besides, that's against the law unless it's a matter of life or death. Just listen to the horn. It's a pain in the ear. If we don't cut down on all
0: this racket, we're going to drive ourselves nuts. I've often contemplated that moment. Uh, I've never told that story. I don't know. Of course, it's just one of those incidents, but uh, it's not quite the thing you tell about. But uh, I've wondered about that. Yeah, you know, Can't you just see this guy walking down the street and uh, he's got his new Palm Beach suit on, all dressed up to the nines. He's with this chick. And they're in town they've come because you know that's the big tourist season in summertime and they're in town and uh, they're walk of all the places for the blintzes that yeah, this is the perfect place to be hit by a thousand blintzes if you know anything about where w r is right tony so uh... <laughs> i mean there's some places it wouldn't have quite this significance and here they are they're walking down the street and all of a sudden kaplop, kaplop, oh, plop plop all around and he looks around and she says what's what's going on he says well it must be raining and with that plop, 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 three more blitzes yet. <laughs> and, and I could see them describing it at home in Cleveland trying to tell the people, "Well, you know, it's surprising what happens and New York is a great place to visit, but <laughs> blitzes. Well, oh, I, I, the one thing I do miss though, is uh, the sight of the the, uh, uh, the uh, sour cream. Now, as the sour cream left, you see, it was in a cardboard container. And as the sour cream left, the sour cream was heading towards 34th Street. Now, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm not I'm not inventing this. Now, this is the kind of life, you see, that uh, you could not predict this when you were a kid, kid. Sitting in Miss Bundy's sandbox, I could not have predicted the golden blintz moment. Just like that. You just can't. Now, uh... I, I'm. Uh, this is a program tonight, a little show we're doing here about life and its unpredictability, which we all know is a truism. And yet, a lot of people think life is predictable. They think life consists of uh, getting up in the morning, going to work, coming home, sitting on your behind, at, uh, eating supper, looking at the uh, lassie, and going to bed. Right? Well, there's a lot more than that. Did I tell you about the lady the other day that was sitting in front of her TV set? Did you see that news note Sitting in front of the TV set there? And she's watching TV when all of a sudden a candle on top of her TV set burnt down and it caught the TV set on fire. The TV set blew up, blew the chair right out from under her, and she broke both of her legs and I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> I just thought you ought to know that that was a golden moment in the age of color TV. It was a color set in case you're interested. Uh, you, have you ever wondered about how they make those things, how that colored TV set works, friends? You ever wondered how they can make that color? You don't know how it is, huh? There's paint in that set. Did you know that? I'm not going to say any more. I know a lot about electronics. And uh, you can't argue with an electronics cuckoo, and that's exactly what I am. But the, there I am, sitting in the sandbox, at that high point of the day. Was uh, after we had a little workout in the morning, we would start. See, the kindergarten that I was in worked two shifts. Uh, one kind, you know, one group went in the morning, and we go home, and the other group went in the afternoon. Right? You didn't go all day when you were in kindergarten. See, they break into school just kind of gently, and so uh, we would. I was in the morning shift, and me and Schwartz and Helen Weathers and the whole crowd we went in the morning, and the afternoon shift seemed vaguely uh, sinister and exotic. And uh, somehow they got a different kind of kindergarten than we did. And I wonder how much that affects people's lives Uh, in later years. I don't think this ever comes up in a Freudian analysis, that you were assigned to the morning shift in kindergarten and other guys were assigned to the afternoon shift in the kindergarten. And from that day on, you always hated the morning. And hence, you became a night person. I'm just curious. It could very well be, you know. And kids who who only spent the afternoon in the school, the morning was a a time of freedom. So they loved the morning. And they have become the guys, you know, the kind of get up bushy-tailed every morning at 5 and go out and water their lawn and all, you know, those cuckoos, you know. You know, that type. Well,
2: i wondered whether or not
0: these things have anything to do with this. And so I'm sitting there in the morning at the kind of milky-gray-out, cold, Miss Bundy is dressed like a pillow, and uh, she wore these flowered pink and blue dresses and she would sit at the piano and the first thing we did in the morning was say I pledge allegiance to the flag at the uh, United States for which it stands one nation and blah 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 and that we would do this and if we were a very patriotic school Warren G. Harding and uh, of course a very patriotic great president and that uh, we would sit then in the sandbox she'd say alright now uh, do whatever you want for a while and uh at the, and try to make think of something you want to make out of the sands. It was a creative teacher, and uh, so I would sit down and make things. I remember one time uh, Alex Joshua making stuff out of sand, and it was so terrible that Missus uh, <laughs> Miss Bundy, <laughs> oh, I she came over and you know she had to just roll that sand, kick that sand. The parts, what did where'd you see that? And, well, you know, but, uh, well yeah, Freud was working uh, even at that stage, and so we're sitting in the sandbox maybe about up to about 10 o'clock in the morning, playing around. And then we would have bead stringing, period, uh, where you string the beads. And Then uh, she would read a story to us about some guy with an apple. And uh, he had a pet rabbit. And uh, that was a big moment. And then we would lay down. Did you ever have nap? Do you remember the nap scene? Uh, we would lie down, and she would have... We had cots. And uh, they would open up the cots, and we would all lie down. And they would... Pull the shades down. And that would go for about 15 minutes. We're taking a nap. Quote, boy, if there's anything, even the word nap now raises the hair on the back of my neck. I hate the idea of naps. Naps. Uh, Naps are things for little mewling babes and elderly gentlemen with no teeth. Funny. And so after the nap, though, there was one big moment that came after the nap. Miss Bundy would say, all right now, boys and girls, It's milk time. And then she would ask us a question. Now, where does milk come from? And a hand would go up, and Eileen Acres would say, a moo cow. It's that's right. Now, um,
2: who, who
0: grows the cow? Is it a fireman? Is it a mailman? Would you tell us, Alex? silence. He had an IQ of minus three. Silence. he would say, oh, I see. You've forgotten. Ah, now, uh, how about you, George? That's George Doppler, who had an IQ of 107, but was already working to be in the mafia. Uh, George, uh, what, who is it that grows the cow from which we get the milk? And he'd get this curling lip, like, oh, what a stoop. You mean you don't know that? Well, you stupid old bag. And he'd say, uh, What do you think? A farmer? That's right, George. Now, who brings us the milk? Is it a fireman? Is it a policeman? More curling of lips. (laughs) What a stupid. By the way, do you know that this is what turned me against kindergarten? I mean, I knew all this stuff cold. I mean, really cold. I knew. I mean, I just knew. And, and already alienation was setting in. I was alienated in my kindergarten. And uh, all this palaver to get that crummy bottle of milk. So she says, uh, "Who brings the milk?" Now girls love that kind of stuff. Girls take to the academic world, don't they, Tony? Love it. They just like ducks you know, flapping around in the water. They love this. So instantly, I mean, Pearl. There was a chick named Pearl, squirt, black hair. Pearl, a milkman. That's Right, Pearl. All right, now. Uh, Can any of you tell us uh, just what, besides drinking milk, what are some of the things that we can use milk in? How do we use milk? Everybody knows that milk is great for spilling on the floor. You know? (laughs) After all, what is it you're not supposed to cry over when you do what? And so... Where I said Well, after this fifteen-minute uh, inquisition on milk, Miss Bundy would then say, "All right now, which two of you want to go and get the milk for us now?" Oh, that was a great! That was a real detail. That was a good one. So you could split from this hellhole, get out of this sandpit. And I was very disappointed because always, up to the point I went to kindergarten, I thought that kind. I always thought of school as a desk. I'd see pictures of kids sitting at a desk. And to me, I always wanted a desk. And now I'm in school. And what am I doing? I'm sitting in the sand, making a little thing out of sand. That's exactly what I did in the backyard when I was a kid. I figured, I'm through being a kid. I want a desk. And this, I was outraged. Now, I'm not. I'm telling the truth. In fact, it's still a legend in our family that every morning, my mother used to have to drive me down the alley with a bullwhip to go to kindergarten. She used to get a gun down there and crack. and. You know? Crack, crack.
2: I don't want to sit there and say, Crack.
0: And already I'm on my way, a protester, and I'd get down there, you know, i bucked. I mean, I didn't want all this palaver about who brings the milk, where does the milky come from, the cowy, and all that jazz. So I'm sitting there waiting for my milk. I want the milk. And so she says, All right, now which one of you two want to get the milk? Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. One awful moment. Terrible day with the milk. Usually, it was me and Joshua. Sometimes it was Schwartz and Flick. There were, you know, there's a little group of activists in every class, and we were already starting to be activists. We were basically fist fighters and that. So uh, one day she says, uh, "All right, Jeannie, oh Jeannie, Jeannie, oh call me Jeannie. Jeannie, why don't you and Alec, Alec Joshua, go down and get the milk? Okay, now hurry back. And uh, in the meantime, uh, boys and girls, would you get out your Crayolas?" Down the hall we go. Now down at the end of the hall, we would go down the steps, and down at the base of the steps, there was this place where the janitor he had all the milk, and, and uh, you tell him you were from the kindergarten. All right, he'd give you this uh, carton thing. And we'd carry it up, and it had all the milk, had little pieces of ice on it, and they were they were the little boxes of milk. Now what they did every day, they would have half of the milk was chocolate. And remember chocolate milk? Do they still make chocolate milk? Half of the milk was chocolate, and the other half was white milk. And it would alternate. One day you'd get chocolate, and the next day you'd get white. And uh, the kids would be half and half. Of course, every kid wanted the chocolate milk. This is a, this is a... It was always a great day when you go in. It was chocolate milk. And uh, sometimes you'd trade, but generally it was always... that was big, so... Joshua and I have got this milk. And we're coming back. And we get about twenty feet away from the basement when Joshua says I'm gonna he says I'm gonna drink my milk now and he was chocolate I was white so he takes the chocolate milk and he starts drinking the chocolate milk and I says give me some of it and he said no you know how kids are so we're both carrying the thing and he's sucking his thing with a straw and he says no I said, well, I don't know why I did it. I said, I want some chocolate milk. So I reached down, and I take a box of chocolate milk, and I suck it up. Well, you know how quick you can suck up one of those things, just like that. It was great. It tasted good, and cold, ice cold. So I drank the chocolate milk. With that, Josue reaches in and takes another one. Well, by the time we got down to to the kindergarten class, between the two of us, each one of us had drunk about five bottles of chocolate milk, and a lot of kids were not going to get any milk because each bottle had been counted. You know, that was it. And we got scared. Boy, did we get scared. We didn't know what to do. We are standing outside the door with the case, and, and half of it is empty. And here, You know what we did? We did a terrible thing. We stuck the boxes back in the case. You know how little kids They don't think. We stuck the boxes back in. They were all lined up, and we had this little cardboard box they had with handles on it, and we lined them all up, and we put the tops back on. It's the only thing we could think to do. So we took the milk in, and Miss Bundy takes the milk and she starts to pass it out. Well, of course, obviously, an empty bottle of chocolate milk does not quite weigh the same as a closed, filled bottle of chocolate milk. She, she says, what's this? It's empty. Me and were sitting there, she says, what's this? Well, look at this, half of these are empty. Well, she knew what happened. She obviously wonk <laughs> the milk that belonged to all the other kids. Well, now, had Miss Bundy been an ACLU member for example this would have been her uh, you know a real Spock cuckoo this would have been her opportunity to quote and in cap letters teach us a lesson which we would never forget that's all in caps what did Miss Bundy do she looked at Joshua she looked at me she said uh, well uh, there seems to be some milk short today do either of you know anything about it Dead silence. She says, There seems to be and I noticed that it's only chocolate milk. Dead silence. She said, Well, I'll tell you what. a uh, Jeannie, would you go back down and talk to Mr. Columbus and tell Mr. Columbus you want seven bottles more of chocolate milk. That we are short today. And would you take these empty bottles down and show them that somehow we have gotten empty bottles? And take Alex with you. So we go down. <laughs> Sheepish. And you know, the human mind is funny. By the time we got halfway back to the basement, we were both totally convinced that they had given us empty bottles. Oh, you can you can you can tell a lie to yourself so much that you ultimately totally believe it. And in fact we'll go up on the witness stand and swear to it and actually believe it. I don't mean to be a phony, really believe it. So we get back down to Mr. Columbus, and here's old man Columbus who was the caretaker. And I remember Columbus always down there mixing ink. You know, they had this powdered ink. He was always mixing ink. At the... we walked down. And Mr. Columbus is sitting down. I remember he was eating a sandwich, big sandwich, down in the basement. Do you remember the basement of your school? Well, there it is, our basement. And uh, I didn't go down there too much except when I get the milk. And so I walk down, and Mr. Columbus is sitting there. He says, "What do you want? Are you kids?" Joshua he said this You gave us empty bottles He said, I did what? You gave us empty bottles he said, I gave you empty bottles of what? I said, you gave us empty bottles of chocolate milk I gave you empty bottles of chocolate milk? What are you talking about? Well, of course, obviously The minute he saw the chocolate All over the front of my Mickey Mouse shirt where the empty bottles of chocolate milk went. He said, oh, well, let me see those. Hmm. By George, they are empty. They must have leaked out of the bottom. (laughs) Hmm, hmm, hmm. And he took one of them. He said, look at that. It leaks. (laughs) Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'll be darned. Well, and they had this big cooler over there. He says, well, you got some empty bottles of chocolate milk. He says, I'll have to tell the milkman that he gave us some empty bottles of chocolate milk. I certainly will. And I'll tell you what. I'll bet if they find out back at the dairy, they're going to fire him for that. <gasps> they're going to fire the milkman. Me and Josh, we drank the chocolate milk, and now they're going to fire the milk. go here's old Galab, he says, that I'll bet they're going to fire him. He probably drank it. All right. Okay, let's see. How many bottles? One, two, three, four, seven. All right. He goes, I'm going to get seven bottles. Just take these back. And he says, now, you see, they're all filled. And uh, you'll be sure to tell Miss Bundy that uh, we're going to find out about that milkman. We're certainly not going to have that happen. You never know what's going to happen. We get halfway back, see. And Joshua is beginning to worry. His old man was a bread man. (laughs) He knew about these things. (laughs) And my old man worked at the dairy. That was the final kicker. Because I knew, you know, that there are such things as milkmen.
1: And I'm walking
0: back, and the two of us got the seven bottles, and we've got it in a cardboard thing. We're carrying it. He put them in a little box for us. Joshua starts to cry. And I walked into the room. I didn't cry. I was never a crier. I mean, even my closest friends will tell you today that I never cried. Me. <laughs> and so, well, except, I mean, unless there are some things happen, naturally, I cried then. But uh, I am not a man with a heart of Flint. Right, Tony? And so, uh, I mean, everybody knows that. But I don't cry. And so we walked into the room. And all the kids are sitting around with their Crayolas, and that manila paper and <laughs> run away, and we've got seven bottles of chocolate milk. And Miss Bundy says, Well, I see you have the milk. Uh, did you tell Mr. Columbus that uh, we got uh, seven empty bottles of milk? Yeah. Uh, what did Mr. Columbus say? Well, tell me, what did he say? Well am I gonna to have to call Mr. Columbus to find out, or are you gonna tell me what he said? Now come on, you can tell me. It's all right. He said that
2: Milkman must have drunk it.
0: Well what did he say he's going to do about that?
2: Well he's gonna Maybe get the Milkman fired.
0: Oh, I see. Hmm. Wouldn't that be too bad? Well, after all, he did drink the milk. And, uh, it's too bad he probably has children just like you. And he won't have a job then, will he? Well, that's just as well, because he'll have to learn not to drink the kindergarten's milk, right? Yep. All right. And now, boys and girls, uh... Uh, Merle, would you go back to the cabinet now and uh, bring out the uh, graham crackers now? They always gave us graham crackers. Do you remember the graham crackers we always got with the the chocolate milk? Well, here we're sitting. I've got my bottle of white milk. and, And they had a chart. The way they worked it, every day they had a chart and they had all our names down. And they would put an X after your name, say for Wednesday, meaning you got chocolate. And if you got white, they would put a check. So they kept a very close record on who got chocolate milk, what days. And I'm sitting there with my white milk. Schwartz has got his chocolate milk. And each one of us have had nine bottles of milk before this. And we're starting to go, you know, the milk is gurgling up. I mean, after all, a little squirts, a little kid, you know, with a stomach that has a capacity of about four and a half pints. (laughs) When fully distended, now sitting there with a pot hanging out in front of him, just full of fermenting milk. uh, And the, I've got my milk and I've got my graham crackers. Schwartz has got his milk, his chocolate milk, and we're sitting in the sand. He's got his graham crackers. And uh, Miss Bundy came over and she said to well, uh don't you boys and girls worry, she said to, to me and Schwartz. So she always referred to all kids as boys and girls no matter who there was there, you know. She said, "Don't you boys and girls worry that uh it'll be all right. Mr. Columbus will" uh, well, don't worry, he won't, uh, he won't be bad to the milkman. But he's just got to learn that he should not drink other people's milk. Don't you agree with that? Don't you think that it's just wrong to drink other people's milk? I mean, when other people want their milk and other people don't have the milk, don't you think it's wrong, huh? Don't you? Well, don't you think that the milkman uh, should learn a lesson? After all, he's a grown-up man. He should know that other people, especially little children, they need their milk. And just think what would have happened had we not had some extra milk. Some little children would have gone without milk. Right here. Maybe little Eileen Akers. Yep. Well, I just wanted to tell you, don't feel bad. It's going to be all right. And the milkman will probably... probably maybe they won't fire him. Maybe they'll... Well, maybe they'll just... Uh, uh, maybe they'll just... uh Give him a good scolding.
2: Yeah.
0: And then Joshua finked. Finked! If there's anything I hate, it's a faint, a faint, think. Joshua started to cry. <coughs> and Miss Bundy said, uh, What's the matter, Alec? Oh,
1: that's all right,
0: Alec. What's the matter? <coughs> she said, What's the matter? Do you have to, uh... No. Well, what's the matter, Alec? Mm -hmm. You know, I know Alec Josway. To this day, he's a grown-up man. And he still lives in the same town. And once in a great while, I meet Alec Josway. And there are certain areas we do not discuss. And sometimes, you know, he's grown up. He's with his wife. If I ever told his wife, she married a rotten, stinking fink who finked, finked. I'll tell you what he did. She said, what's the matter, Alec? Is there something you want to tell me? She said, well, you can tell me. She said, whisper it in my ear. Mrs. Bundy said, Oh, he did? I said, No. She turns to me. And she said, You're a naughty boy. You are a very naughty boy. And I think, I think you won't have any chocolate milk for the rest of the week. Joshua sat there, and he's he's sucking up his ninth bottle of chocolate milk for the day. And he sat there with the biggest you-know-what type of smile on his face that I ever saw. If there's anything that a little shrimp in kindergarten likes to do, it's to see another little shrimp in the kindergarten get fed to the dragons. They are sadistic. Don't you come and tell me little kids are beautiful creatures. It's right out of, of Well, it's right out of the Lord of the Flies. I said to him, What'd you tell her? And what do you think he did? Ooh, now he's gonna cry. We well, sat there that through that whole day. And I just want to tell you that golden sand that golden sand in the sandbox turned to ashes. Ashes. And it was that moment in kindergarten that I learned a lesson about mankind, which has never left me. And by the way, I still am kind of cuckoo over little half-pint bottles of milk.
2: I mean, I love them, (laughs)
0: with graham crackers. But I learned a lesson. Now, just exactly what that lesson is, I am not at liberty to debauch. All I got to say is don't get close to me. That's all. And when you are close to me, keep a sharp eye on me. I learned that he who thinks first, thinks best. Right? Bring it out big. He who thinks left, gets laughed at and often fine. Bring it up, Bob.